Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... Do you speak against Christ? Because what some people have mistakenly done is they've allowed a bad experience with a person to reflect on Christ who died for you, who is your only hope of forgiveness and salvation for your own sins that you have committed against God and you've let Deacon Joe Schmo or, you know, Reverend Raggedy Ralph, you know, mess you up where, you know, they did something wrong and now you are attributing that to God. Don't fall for that trick. If you got a bad grade in school because you chose not to apply yourself and study, was it your fault or your teacher's? If you get pulled over for doing 60 in a 45, are you going to find a reason to blame the cop who wrote the ticket or learn to respect the law? In today's message, Pastor Bill teaches you that even if you've been wronged by someone misrepresenting Christ, that's no excuse to turn your back on Him. People will always have their flaws but it's up to you whether you're going to follow Christ or not. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation chapter 13. As he continues his message, Counterfeit Christ. Verses 3 and 4 it says, And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. And so here, so we've got a counterfeit, you know, Jesus in every way. Now there's a counterfeit resurrection. You know, Satan, the dragon who gives him power. There's this, you know, scenario here where he appears to be mortally wounded in verse three. And, you know, then his deadly wound is healed. And the result of it is that the world marvels and they begin to follow the beast. I come to another point in a moment because Satan has always wanted to be worshiped. We'll go back and look at when he got kicked out of heaven. That was really what he wanted. He didn't want to be worshiping God, which was his job. He's like, I want some of that for me. When this instance here, Satan through counterfeiting is getting what he wants. This phony resurrection is a wound that looked like it was a mortal wound. And then he heals from his wounds. And everybody's like the world is wowed with this leader. Some people think the Antichrist, you see movies at the Antichrist. He's just dark you know, guy with red eyeballs and, you know, he just looks real, you know, wicked and evil. And that won't be the case. It's not likely at all that it would be that way. He's probably going to be a handsome guy, very charismatic, very likable. For the first three and a half years of the tribulation period, the world is going to love him to death, be eaten out of his hands. He's going to create peace in the Middle East where there's never been peace. The Jews are going to love him. He's going to set them back up in their temple for worship. This guy is going to have all the answers to all the world's problems and be killing it. And it's at that midway point, the abomination of desolation where he steps in and says, worship me, that it all comes crumbling down. And from that point, literally all hell begins to break loose. But this is not going to be some, you know, wicked, you know, sinister looking character. He'll probably be a very likable person, a very probably be good looking and charismatic and have a you know kind of character that everybody enjoys and likes and looks up to. But what's he want at the end of the day? What's the enemy want? Who wants the worship that belongs to the Lord? And so here we have a counterfeit resurrection. Here's the deal, right? The true resurrection of Jesus Christ actually lends itself to you and me. It is been said in First Corinthians 15, it was the first fruits of what would happen to us is proof to you and me that Jesus has power over the grave. 
And that those that believe in him, when we die, we also will live again. That's what Jesus taught us. He said, look, if you believe in me, I am the resurrection of life. And those who believe in me, if you die, even if you die, you, you will live. You'll live again. Now, Satan has his counterfeit resurrection. Can Satan take you to life after death? He can't. Satan can take you to death after life. Satan can guarantee that after you finish living your life and you miss your opportunity to, to receive Christ and be saved because you were deceived by the enemy. Satan can guarantee that you, after you miss the chance for heaven, you go to hell. Remember what he did in the Garden of Eden, right? God put Adam and Eve in the garden. He gave them. They were in paradise. They were naked, married. I mean, it should have been awesome for them. And Satan came and he tempted them to do the one thing God said not to do. In the midst of the garden, it says that there was a tree of life that had Adam and Eve eaten of that tree, they would have lived forever. But also in the midst of the garden, there was a tree of knowledge of good and evil, of which God has said, don't eat of it. Or if you do, you'll surely die. Satan shows up and before they ever eat of the tree of life, tempts them. He makes the tree that God forbid look so good that they lose sight of life and they eat death. And it brought death into the world. He does the same thing today. Same trick. That people come into the world and there's mom that say grandma's been trying to lead you to the Lord. This person over here is saying life is here. Life is here. You can find it here. And Satan will make something that's going to lead to death look so attractive. And if you go after it, that's what you're going to get. That's what he does. It's not a new trick, but it's effective still. And so here the world marvels and it says they followed after the beast. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verses three through nine gives us a little more insight on this character, this person. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verses three through nine. Paul here speaking. He says, let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed. The son of perdition. This is speaking of the Antichrist who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things. And now, you know, that what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And one of the restraining influences in the world, why Satan just can't run amok right now is the presence of the Holy Spirit through the church is a restraining influence. It is having a preserving influence when the rapture happened and the influence of the Holy Spirit through the church is removed. Just imagine every believer Everyone that's restraining, that's holding up a standard that is gone, what it will look like on earth and how free Satan will be moving at that time. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord. So when the church is taken out of the way, then he'll be revealed. That's why we're not really looking for the Antichrist. As believers, we're looking for Jesus Christ. We're awaiting the rapture of the church. And so I'm not you know, going to spend a whole lot of time trying to figure out who it might be. I hope to never know. But the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy him with the brightness of his coming. So we know this, that whenever God does get ready, the enemy is going to be smoked. He has no chance in God's presence. Verse nine says, 
The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. Listen to this. With all power, signs and lying wonders. The Antichrist empowered by Satan is going to do some lying signs and wonders and people are going to be blown away. There'll be people that follow him because, you know, it looks powerful. He's doing some things. They're supernatural. And we need to be aware that there's supernatural on both sides. There's God supernatural. The enemy can do some supernatural. You know, there's a wicked side of the supernatural. So we want to not be deceived by that reality. But it says at the end of verse three that all the world marveled and followed the beast. So hear this. Imagine that you're in that small group that missed the rapture, but get saved during the tribulation period. You're part of that remnant of believers that are getting saved. The whole world is following the beast. They're going to worship Satan. So imagine a world where everybody is in unison following the beast and worshiping Satan. And you're here trying to love Jesus as a new believer in a rough time. It's not going to be a fun time to be a Christian. Why it's so important for those that are hearing this now that you get saved now. It won't be an impossible time. It'll be a very difficult time to be a believer. And many of them we'll see later are going to die for their faith during this period. Verse four says, so they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast and they worshiped the beast saying, who is like the beast who is able to make war with him? And I want you to note here, Satan gets something he's always wanted. Satan is always looking for a way to steal worship. He used to be. The Bible says that Satan was the anointed cherub that covered that there were trembles and pipes in his very being. And he was responsible for worship in the heavenly realm. Isaiah chapter 14 verses 12 through 14. I'll read this to you. It speaks about the fall of Satan or Lucifer. And it says this Isaiah 14, 12, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer. Son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. Notice what Satan said, says, for you said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. Then he said this, I will be like the most high. And then it says, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. The I wills of Satan. I will, I will, I will be like the most high. And God says, no, you won't. No, you won't. And so look at here now. He's got this moment where he's got worship coming his way. People are worshiping him and they're worshiping the beast. He's getting what he's always wanted. Counterfeit worship. Satan will take it however he can get it. Counterfeit Christ, counterfeit worship. He's a counterfeit savior. Here he's receiving counterfeit worship. He just had a counterfeit resurrection. He's not raised to life. Satan is guaranteed death forever. He has no part in the resurrection. And so, but he gets what he wants for a moment. It's only going to be for a moment in time. But I just want you to note that he gets what he wants, that they are worshiping him. This is what they're saying. Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? They're saying, who is like him? Who can defeat him in war? We all know who can. Jesus Christ. There's no authority or power or ruler above him. 
but they've been duped and they don't know this. And so verse five now it says, and he was given a mouth to speak. He was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. 42 months, you do the math, is three and a half years. This is the second half of the tribulation period. And it's this period of time where the Antichrist is going to wreck shop. Satan has empowered him, sent him forth, and he's going to be doing his work. He's got a mouth. Notice what he's doing with his mouth. He's speaking great things and blasphemies. I mean, whenever you see blasphemies in scriptures, it's speech against God. It says, then he opened his mouth in verse six in blasphemy against God. First thing out of his mouth, blasphemy against God and blasphemed to the name of Christ, to his name, his tabernacle and those who dwell in heaven. So he opens his mouth. He's blaspheming God. He's blaspheming the name of God. He's blaspheming the house of God, the tabernacle and those that are in heaven. He's just speaking against everything that belongs to the Lord. Now, I want you to hear this. Listen. You that are listening to this, right? Do you speak against God and do you speak against God's people? Think about that. That's right now what I'm seeing here is it's the work of Satan. Satan has given his power to the Antichrist. And what does he do with his mouth open? He's speaking against God and he's speaking against God's people. This is what Antichrist will do. Are you doing that? Because there are people in the world today that are they're a little miffed at the church. I'll hear the phrase, you know, I got some church hurt. I had a bad situation at a church. That's whatever. You can talk about those people that you had the bad experience with. But do you speak against Christ? Because what some people have mistakenly done is they've allowed a bad experience with a person to reflect on Christ who died for you, who is your only hope of forgiveness and salvation for your own sins that you have committed against God and you've let Deacon Joe Schmo or, you know, Reverend Raggedy Ralph, you know, mess you up where, you know, they did something wrong. And now you are attributing that to God. Don't fall for that trick. Right. We know people are imperfect and that's why we don't worship people and we shouldn't elevate people. We worship Christ and we elevate Christ. And when people fail, we can move on from the people. But don't be moving on from Jesus because that happens. And then people feel validated to speak against Christ, speak against his church, speak against his people. And I just want you to catch here that that's the work of Satan. It's the work of the devil. Don't let people's failings cause you to attribute it to the Lord. The Lord has never failed you. The Lord has never fallen short of what he's supposed to do in our lives. God has never let you down. Ever. We've let him down. He has never let us down. He's never come short of being amazing in that he's willing to forgive you. And he died on the cross in your place and that your sins can be forgiven and heaven can be your home. That's why we worship him and we honor him. But Satan, the Antichrist, is comfortable blaspheming, speaking evil. Do not be comfortable speaking against the Lord. Know that if you do, it's the work of the enemy. How did you get comfortable doing what Satan does? Consider that. So moving on now, verse seven, it says it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue and nation. So at this point, you know, Satan is now able to go after 
the people of God. He's been given authority during this last three and a half year period to go after, to make war with the saints that are on the earth and overcome. So many of them are going to die for their faith. And I want you to note this. Satan, he can't do anything to God. So he always goes after what God loves. Through the whole history of the Bible, Satan is there's an attack after attack after that which God has said, I love Israel. They've been attacked and hated and despised, but preserved because they're loved by God. God loves his church. And so the church will be attacked and despised and hated. And during the tribulation period, those that are coming to Christ, they're going to be despised and hated of the enemy. And he's going to go after them to destroy them and to kill them. And it's going to be permissible during that time. It's kind of like the mafia or the mob. You know, if they can't get to you. If you mess up with the mob or the mafia, they can't get to you. They'll go get grandma. They'll get your mom, your dad, your husband, your wife, your kid. They'll go get someone you love. Just I can't get to you, but I'll touch what you love. That's what the enemy seeks to do to the Lord. He goes after what God loves and God loves his people. So know that about the Lord. Why isn't Satan coming against Muslims? Why isn't he coming against Buddhists? Why isn't he coming against non-believers, atheists, agnostics? Why? He already got them. They're already going to hell. He's coming after that which belongs to the Lord. He's coming after those saints that are alive during the tribulation period. They have what he can't get is the opportunity to go to heaven. Even those that messed up, they missed the rapture and they're there for the tribulation period. But then they come to faith in Christ. They're going to go to heaven. They might die for their faith. But when they get done dying, they're going to be in the presence of the Lord. And Satan can never have that. And so he goes after him and it says an authority was given him over every tribe, every tribe, tongue and nation. We know there'll be believers of every nationality, every tribe, nation and tongue. And Satan will be going after them all during this period of time. Look at verse eight and nine. Now it says, and all who dwell on the earth will worship him and notice who will worship the enemy whose names have not been written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So. Those who worship him are those whose names have not been written in the book of the life of the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. Now, how did you get your name in the book of the life of the lamb, the book of life? Every believer is in the book of life. Believe that in Revelation 20, when it says books are open, the book of life is one of those books. If your name is not found written in it that you'll be cast into the lake of fire. So everyone that's believed in Christ's name is in the Lamb's book of life. Everyone whose name's not written in the Lamb's book of life are all that dwell on the earth are going to worship him. So I just want you to know worldwide, right now the world worship is all kind of different things. There's agnostics. There's people, I don't worship anything. There's people that say, I am God. People that worship, you know, Buddha, Muhammad, you know, Eastern religion, so forth and so on. At this time, it'll be a one world religion. They all worship him. If you're not saved, you worship him. That's what's going to be happening during this time. And so it'll be a different era. You'll be glad that you're not here if you're a believer today. Verse nine, it said that if anyone has an ear, let him hear. And whenever you see that, you got to just pause and perk up. I said, look, if you got ears to hear, hear this. Hear this. Anyone whose name's not written in the Lamb's book of life. So I got to stop there and ask you, is your name in the Lamb's book of life? Have you received Christ in the forgiveness of your sins? Have you surrendered to him as Jesus Christ, Lord of your life? 
Have you ever come to a point in your life where you stopped and said, man, God, I am a sinner and you are the savior and I want to be forgiven? Have you done that? If you have, you know it. And the Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. But if you don't know, then you need to. These things are written, you guys. This isn't to spook you. God didn't give revelation so we could read this freaky stuff and be like, oh, that was so scary and so spooky. Guys, I'm preparing you. I'm preparing. There's a devil that's real, but there's a God that's even more real. And he loves you. And he made a provision for you. You can be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. He died on the cross for all of your sins. And if you would put your faith in him, if you would acknowledge, God, I am a sinner. I've done a lot of things I shouldn't do. But I do believe that you died on the cross in my place and that you rose from the grave and I put my faith in you to forgive me and cleanse me. And I want to start a life with you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. God will have you today. He will be your Lord. He will be your savior today. And we invite you to do that wherever you're at. As you believe by faith right now, that's what it requires. What God requires that by faith you would believe that faith should bear the fruit of repentance, that you should turn from whatever and turn to Christ. God will begin a work in your life today. It would bring him joy to see you saved. And so moving on now to verse 10, it says, he who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and faith of the saints. We're just notified here that those that are plundering believers, those that are, you know, killing them with the sword, those that are, you know, capturing believers. God said, look, all all those that come after them, they're going to receive the same penalty. Those that have led into captivity are going to go into captivity. Those that have killed with the sword, they're going to die as well. Here's the patience and faith of the saints. If you're a saint, you got to just endure a very difficult time. I couldn't imagine, you know, for the person that is not willing to surrender to Christ here under the age of grace, how much more difficult is going to be here when the whole world is run by Satan? The whole world is worshiping Satan and it's just a few of you little old believers out there trying to hold on. It's not going to be a fun time to be a believer, but it would still be better to suffer for Christ and go be with him than to live for the enemy and go be with him. So it'll always be better to hang in there with Christ. And so again, as we get ready to move on, verses eight and nine told us that all those that don't worship Jesus will worship Satan. And once again, Satan is receiving his counterfeit worship. That's what he wanted. That's all he wanted. He wants to be worshiped. Now look at verse 11. We get introduced to the last person of this unholy trinity. We met Satan, the dragon. We met now the beast who came out of the sea was the Antichrist. And now in verse 11, we're going to see the beast that comes out of the earth is the false prophet. So verse 11 says, then I saw another beast coming up out of the sea and he had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. And I wrote my notes, counterfeit lamb, right? You got, it looks like two little horns, like a little lamb. Lambs are cute and harmless and sweet. And so two horns like a lamb, but he speaks like a dragon. And again, the false prophet is going to be the spokesman. We're going to see that uh, he blasphemes and he does a lot of things against the church. They each seem to have their part, just like God's Trinity, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit are all working together to one end. This unholy Trinity is all working together to one you know, wicked end. Verse 12 through 15, it says, and he exercises all the authority of the first beast. 
in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. So the false prophet is causing people to worship the first beast, the Antichrist. We're so glad you've joined us today here on A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Revelation can seem like a long book to work through, but it's all in the attitude you approach it. If you look at it as something amazing and inspiring that God has gifted to you to understand Him better, it helps you see everything with a different lens. Revelation is cool. It's a mashup of all the best elements of a sci-fi movie. But in reality, it will bring an amazing resolution to all that's wrong in the world. Isn't that what we all want? Look at the book of Revelation with appreciation of who God is and that He's the one in control. If you'd like to listen to more teachings in Revelation, go to calvaryinglewood.org. If you're wanting to connect with someone more personally about this ministry, go ahead and call or text us at 310-245-4811. We'd love to encourage you as you're seeking God for wisdom, insight, and understanding. So please pick up that phone and dial or text 310-245-4811. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood, in Inglewood, California. Our time with you today is about up, but we encourage you to keep reading and studying this fascinating final book of the Bible. We're so grateful you took the time to listen today, and Pastor Bill will be back with more next time in the book of Revelation. Until then... Remember who God has created you to be in this broken and fallen world. Don't lose heart and stay connected to a transforming word.